Welcome to Comedians Talking Sports, episode number five. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Uh, still feeling a little under the weather. That's why the voice sounds like absolute shit. Uh, but still, I had to power through. I had to do it for you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Getting some positive feedback from some good people. Yeah, you know, it's, it's building slowly, but so uh, please tell your friends about it. Still not on iTunes. That is on me. That is on me because I uh, do not know how graphic design works. You know, you have to have the art or, like, the logo, whatever, a certain, like, size or pixels or some shit, and it's very annoying, and I can't fix it myself. And then I had one uh, picture. I was like, that's the picture. I want to use that. And now I'm like, eh, not so much. So I'm still on SoundCloud. We're there. Just it's, it's easy. You could download the app. It's a free app. If you want to listen on your phone or if you're just at home, you could, you know, SoundCloud.com backslash comedians talking sports on today's episode i talked to uh, comedian brennan mcgowan who is my oldest friend in stand-up comedy one of my oldest friends i've known him since i started uh we met when i was like a weekend doing stand-up at an open mic in chicago i've always enjoyed talking sports with brennan um he knows a lot about pretty much all sports like i can intelligently talk about any sport and uh he's got a very cool uh, history with sports growing up talk a little bit about how we played played rugby I was going to say he played fencing, but you don't play fencing. You fence fencing or something. I could be wrong. I digress nonetheless. But, uh, yeah, it was a fun interview. I talked to Brennan about some of that stuff. Um, Then we talked a lot of baseball at the end, made some predictions about what Major League Baseball is going to do moving forward, whether the DH is going to come into play in the National League and whatnot. Uh, You guys could hear it for yourself. Uh, Any feedback at all, you can hit me up at uh, joe at joekilgallen.com. It's the simplest way to do it. Let me know. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Kilgallen. Uh, Instagram. I, I don't really know how you complain via Instagram. You know. Speaking of Instagram, Shaquille O'Neal and Scottie Pippen. Come on, guys. Act like Hall of Famers yelling at each other back and forth about some stupid hypothetical. I love how they do that in basketball. They go, let's take the five greatest Lakers versus the five greatest Bulls, and then let's argue for about a week and a half over who would win. It would never happen. Although it would be great if Jerry West and Bob Love told each other to go fuck themselves via MySpace. You know, that would be great. Bob Love's dead. I apologize. That was in poor taste, everyone. That was in poor taste. All right. Well, we all know the Bulls would win, though. They have Michael Jordan. Hands down, they would win. Unless they were going to have, like, Shaquille O'Neal, Kareem, and Wilt all on the floor at the same time, which you can't do. You can't have three centers. I'm making that rule. You can't have three centers on the court at once. Although they'd be very slow, so I feel like Jordan and Pippen would get around them. That's a tough one. It's a tough hypothetical. Uh, no one will notice who will ever win, and nor should we give a shit. All I know is right now the Bulls would beat the Lakers. I'm a fan of that. All right, so here's uh, here's the interview with Brennan McGowan. Thanks for listening to Comedians Talking Sports. All right, here I am, Joe Kilgallen, sitting with old friend, probably my oldest friend in comedy, I'd say, at least you and Dean Carlson. Uh, this is comedian Brennan McGowan. Joe, thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for being here. It's great to be here. Now, I'm going to warn the listeners up front that it's going to be pretty Chicago-heavy the first, the first half of this podcast, I bet. Yes. Because uh, we're going we're gonna to do, do a little history digging up with you, and you're a history buff, so this is going to be nice. Talk uh, a lot about Chicago sports. Brennan and I both grew up in the city of Chicago. And um, one of the rare comedians that I knew while I was in Chicago that was a lifelong Chicagoan. Yeah. Because so many of the people I met were transplants. I think it was you, me, Junior Stopka, and... Uh, Mike Leibovitz. Oh, Leibovitz, yeah. Lebo was, uh, and maybe one or two other people. But yeah, for the most part, 
It was all transplants, yeah. which was cool, you know. Uh, but it was strange for me because I hadn't, I never met anyone who wasn't like a lifelong Chicagoan. Like when I started at 21, going on 22, it was like, oh, you you moved here for this? It was strange to me. Yeah, I guess. Well, you and I went to very different um, schools growing up, um, and I went to a school where people were like driving in from me. There was a kid who drove in from Indiana. You went to a good school, and I went to a fucking idiot school. I. No, no, no. Okay. My high school, I'm not going to say that. My high school uh, was great, but it was one of those things where I loved it. I wouldn't have traded it for another high school. I went to St. Pat's in Chicago. You went to St. Ignatius. Yep. And uh, I actually met someone from St. Ignatius recently who knew you. Oh, no. Uh, she plays in my baseball league. I play a, a fast-pitch baseball league every Sunday. That's co-ed. And it's fast-pitched. It's pretty cool. So I forget her name, though, and I feel bad about that. I'll, it'll pop up later. Here's the, I was a bad person in high school. So She kind of did this. Oh, I know Brendan. Yeah, yeah. She kind of did that, like Brendan Mc... legendary. You oh were, no. you were like Ferris Bueller. Oh shit! Uh, everyone loved you. You made a lot of noise. <laughs> well, I did make a lot of noise. I don't know about everyone loving me, but that's fine too. But uh, so you know, I had a, people that were, uh, for lack of a better term, transplants for high school. Uh, so you got familiar with it quickly. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not against transplants. My mom was raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, before she came to Chicago. You know, I've, I've come from an immigrant family, and I'm the grandparents. You know, um, like third yeah. generation, I think. But and I think what we're what we're talking a about weird thing at first is more you hadn't been around people that weren't from yeah, I hadn't been. And so it was yeah. weird to meet people who were just like, I don't like sports. And I was like, what? Everyone likes sports because I came from a neighborhood where you had to like sports. Yeah, and I think people, a lot of those people that we uh, that we met doing stand up initially in Chicago, were probably from the same kind of neighborhood and just did not yeah. enjoy that mandate different experience yeah i'm messing around with a, a new joke right now uh i'm not gonna tell it but basically i don't think people actually hate sports themselves i think they associate it with hating obnoxious sports fans or they hate it or they associate it with the time in their life where they're maybe insecure or they weren't good at something i don't think someone literally hates sports per se i don't think anyone's ever walked past a pickup game of basketball and thought fuck that shit they you know i don't think yeah. they hate the act of like little kids playing a sport but they might actually hate what it's associated with, the yeah. culture of sports they hate. Yeah, for a lot of people, it's watching someone watch sports that's difficult because sure. a lot of people aren't good at watching sports. No. And the amount of money that goes into sports, the amount of time, the, uh, you know. You ever, like, uh, you don't drink anymore. You don't mind me mentioning that, No, right? not at all. Yeah. But when you did, maybe because, maybe because, I'm trying to phrase this correctly here. Hold on a sec. When you were drinking, you were probably in that mode, so you probably didn't notice it. But I recently, a few months ago, it was toward the end of the football season. I wasn't feeling it, so I'm like, I'm not going to drink. And I noticed because I was completely sober in a bar. And you probably see it a lot more now when you're sober and you're around drunk sports fans. Yeah. The older the sports fan, the dumber the shit that comes out of their mouth. It's unreal, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I used to, I used to kind of be under that train of thought, too, where it's like, why do they got to dance so much when they score a touchdown? And then I get older, and I'm like, well, they're getting paid millions to play a kid's game. Yeah. And it's very hard what they do. Who cares if they're dancing? Yeah, they, they do that. should dance. That's awesome what they just did. At best, they get 12 chances a year to do that dance. You know what I mean? Like, yes. it would be amazing if they danced that dance 12 times in a calendar year for scoring a touchdown. Yeah, 12 touchdowns. That's a it's, hell of a season. That's a hell of a season. So if you're only allowed to dance 12 times, you fucking go for it. You know what I mean? And it's really hard to do. You just dodged 11 people trying to kill you. Yes. And you're in the end zone. You're getting all this money. 65,000 people are screaming for you. I would do some I would do a backflip or some breakdancing too. It makes it makes perfect sense. I think a lot of that uh, comes from uh, 
You could say it is a racism. No, I don't want to say like I don't a little bit though because hockey players I mean, celebrate all the time and no one says shit. Maybe, but also hockey players don't make as much as NFL players. That's true, they don't. I think it's a lot of it is why are you having fun at work? I hate my fucking job. There you go. Yeah, right. That's not a racist. Also, thing. why are you having fun at work? Your job should be harder than this. You make twelve million, blah 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 dollars. You yeah, know? it is a and jealousy like, thing. But wouldn't we? That there's no job that's harder. Like, well, there is, but I mean, yeah. It's pretty fucking difficult, man. And to be a professional athlete is something everyone wants to do. Yeah. So when they see people, they feel, I don't know. There's a, and there's it, this old thing where it's like, have some class, act like you've been there, and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I think that does look cool. I like, I kind of like when Marshall both, Lynch would score awesome. and then just act like, yeah, here he goes. But I, I don't blame the people who, when they do score, they go crazy. Because what they did was so effing hard. I think it is equally cool if someone acts like, what they did was whatever when it was, we all saw it. It was amazing. Yeah. And if someone's really into it, like one, one reason that I really like sports and I've like turned into a bigger and bigger sports fan, uh, as time has gone by is because so many people in our generation are passionate about nothing. True. And like people that are playing, like you gotta, you gotta really, be on board with playing sports if you want to be a pro and Indeed. i don't know man it's like there's no irony to it you just love watching someone be the best of a thing exactly i agree with that and coming from the world of stand-up comedy we know how hard you have to work to get ahead in that game yeah the difference is and what i've always been jealous of with well i've been jealous of a lot of uh, athletes for many reasons like you know who wouldn't want to hit a home run but in baseball or basketball or any sport, say we'll use baseball because it's always the easiest one to use for analogy. You go four for four, everyone's going to be talking about you. Mm-hmm. You are amazing. But in comedy, how many shows have we seen where the best comic doesn't get talked about? Yeah. I've, I've, I've watched that, like, audition sets and time and time again and all this stuff where I just wish comedy was more of a meritocracy. I wish it was more of a, like, oh, yeah, this person. But then we forget it's entertainment. It's casting. Yeah, yeah. You know, they got to you know, fit all. And that's great, though, because you want different points of view. So I'm cool with that with comedy. But part of me wishes, because I come from such a strong sports background, yeah. we had stats where it's like, hey, McGowan's batting 800 this month. And, <laughs> and, and you know, the, the only reason he's not batting 1,000 is he did those two stupid shows in the outskirts of town that he didn't really want to do. But a friend was on, and he got a free ride. And so he went out to, you know, Downey to do a show at uh, VFW Hall. Or whatever. Uh, like, that would be cool if there was something like that. But yeah. there isn't, and that's fine, too. And you're right. It is nice with the passion because it, I like watching I like watching the guys celebrate now. I used to not, but now I'm like, that's awesome. What you just did was great, and you that's all you practiced. That's your whole life, and you did that. Yeah, you scored the game-winning goal. You should drop down on 1D and do a triple fist pump. You hit a game-winning shot. Why not go crazy? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, and also because... I go to parties now and people want to, for the most part, want to talk about like TV and, and movies because that's our new common ground. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, which great. I'm into both of those things, but those are fake people doing a fake thing and sports isn't, you know? So yeah. I, I, I see Andy Carroll. So he said the best reality television is sports. I've, I see equal drama in each and for different reasons and if you don't like it that's fine that's super cool i'll talk about what you want to talk about because i can hang out and talk about a comic book movie i can do that too i'm glad you brought up comic book because rudy asked out a mutual friend of ours and a comedian i got him into hockey because mm-hmm. we were roommates in chicago 
and uh, he was in. It was the year after the Hawks won the Stanley Cup. We were living together, yeah. and he never really watched hockey his whole life. So he started watching it with me, and he was like, "This sport is awesome. I can't believe. Like, I really wish I was exposed to this when I was younger." Isn't and he from Alaska? He's from Alaska, yeah. but he just wasn't into it, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's no professional team up there and all that stuff. Uh, he said he remembered playing like floor hockey or like pond hockey, but he was not, you know, any good or anything. I think he said that. Rudy, if you're listening, I might be wrong, and I apologize. But anyway, he wasn't into it. Started getting really into it. It was the year that Vancouver was up three to nothing, yep. and then we almost came back and won. Mm-hmm. You know, Bolin came back off injury, and he was always uh, the Sedin brothers killer, and mm-hmm. we got in the Wongo's head, and we almost make this great thrilling comeback. And I remember after we lost Game Seven in overtime too. Chris Campoli didn't know how to clear the fucking puck. I'm still angry about that. I just hate Vancouver. Uh, I'm sure it's a beautiful city, but their team sucks. And uh, he said to me, he goes, you know what, Joe? You know why I like comic books? Because Batman always wins. He goes, in a comic book, the Blackhawks would have came out on top. Like, we could, you, you, you write it. You make it so that they win. And I go, yeah, but isn't this kind of better? Sometimes it's good to have your heart broken from time to time. Sometimes it's good to just get knocked down a little bit where you're like, ah, oh, that crushes you. And then you realize, but wait. It's just a sport and all that kind of stuff, and you, you try to move on with your life. Uh, and you do, of course. But, you know, I, although the 03 Cubs, I still, that's still, that festers. Yeah. I realized how much more I'm a baseball fan after 03 than I was a football fan. Because when the Bears lost the Super Bowl and to the Colts, I was devastated. But after about two weeks, I was over it. Well, when the Cubs lost in 03, that whole offseason, I would have dreams twice a week where we did win. And then I'd wake up furious because we didn't win. Because Alex Gonzalez going to turn a double play. Because Dusty Baker didn't know how to calm down his pitcher. All this shit, you know? A lot. You, you just Bringing said, in Mark Guthrie in game one. You've said a lot of things. I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I went me, out of on a little Let me jump in real quick. There. I'll take that Blackhawks loss against Vancouver over any Batman win. Because every Batman win is a Pyrrhic victory. Because he's been around for 60 years and Gotham is still a fucking shithole. Good call. So, Fine. Uh, <laughs> and the Bears' loss uh, in, in that Super Bowl is not as difficult to swallow just because the NFL is a sport where you, no matter how inept the management of the team is, you could still wind up in the playoffs just because of how That's that sport true. makes forces you to churn your roster. Because um, a hard salary cap. The, yeah, uh, which is their goal. I mean, the, the ideal NFL, uh, going back to... The last commissioner, I want to say, or maybe even the one before, the goal was every team should be 8-8. Eight and eight. That's what they want. They want every team to have a chance to make the playoffs every year. Well, that's another reason why football is, as much as the NFL's got a lot of problems right now, as far as the hard salary cap and the way they share TV revenue and everything like that, it is a well-structured league with, when a small market like Green Bay, yeah. even though it's really a national, as much as I hate it, they're like a national treasure when it comes to football. Uh, has as much of a chance as New York or L.A. Well, L.A. doesn't have a team. I'm sorry, New York or Chicago or any of the big markets. Small markets have just as much of a chance. We're like in baseball, although lately uh, smart GMs have figured out you could lock up players longer, like what Pittsburgh's done, and then you have Oakland with just reinventing themselves constantly. That's the only way for small markets to compete. Oh, sure. Pittsburgh and Oakland, whereas Yankees and Boston were just buying teams every year. Uh, in football, every team, because of the salary cap, is the same across the board. They have a shot, and that's awesome. It's a level playing field. Yeah. I, I Well, in a sense, I don't know. Football's becoming difficult for me just because they're they're making the game unwatchable. They're making the it's, – it's not – Yeah, how come people don't talk about this? And not to cut you off, the average football game is, what, three hours, ten minutes? It, it used to be the game is on at noon, and then there's another game at three. So the noon game is over 
then the three o'clock game. Now they're yeah, it would over, the it'd over be, like, be over by like two fifty, two forty five, two fifty. Yeah, because about yeah two forty five because there'd be about fifteen minutes of pregame for the three o'clock start. Exactly. Now it's the noon game so, and then three fifteen and almost three twenty five on some occasions. I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, and I, it's delayed. You're right. They're, those, they're going into the 315 game. There is no panel show for the NFL that's tolerable for me. Also, so when you got to shoehorn in an extra 15 minutes of, you know, that Fox garbage with Howie Long, recapping the games, which we don't need anymore because we have Red Zone. Like, there's yes, no, none oh, of that is necessary. How great is the Red Zone channel? It's fantastic, and it's it's, <laughs> but um, you know, they they are are killing themselves with the whistles and. All passing. It really is a slow-moving game, and I feel like it's taken the general public a while to realize this because football's once a week. Yeah, you know, people talk about baseball being so slow, and, and yeah, baseball's and baseball's doing some stuff to change it up. And I want to say that's that the to thing because I want to, with our future predictions at the end, I want to see what you what else you think baseball could do because I know this is going to be a baseball uh, episode yes, once we uh, once we get into your past a little bit here. But uh, football, again, that's three hours and 15 minutes. I checked recently. The average baseball time for a game this year has been three hours flat or went, three hours and five minutes. I went to, I've been to one Cubs game at Wrigley this year, and it was Kyle Hendricks pitching for the Cubs, and he works fast. It was a two-hour and 40-minute game. Yeah, that's very It's quick. insane how much faster baseball has gotten. And, it's, and the NFL is getting to be more boring to me than baseball. I agree because it's it's they're stopping all the time. It's well, here's a play. Let's stop for a while. Let's throw a TV timeout. Let's throw a flag for some stupid reason. Wide receivers now have to come up with. Uh, they have to hold the ball for a certain amount of time. They have to have a note from their mom saying yes, they did catch the ball. Mm-hmm. All of, they've got to complete the the, the process. Then they got to shake the ref's hand, kiss their wife goodnight to prove they caught the ball. I hate what they do with wide receivers because I love the passing game. Yeah, like what did Des Bryant play last year? He had that ball. That ball was caught. He was reaching to get one extra yard because he's that athletic, knowing that he had to get there. And the ball came out, and they're like, incomplete. The bullshit. And aside from being wrong often, which... Often they're wrong. That's going to happen even with replay. Yes, that's That's just going to happen. Uh, the amount of time they take to be wrong is crazy. And that's what's really becoming difficult as a, as a football fan because they change... It's the only sport I know of with... The amount of rules changed every season. Every season, there's three or four rules changed. And, and, yet- it's, and it's fundamental stuff. Like, two or three years ago, I think it was, the, the running back can't have his head down if he's beyond five yeah, yards. with the crown of the helmet. Yeah. And they, don't, they never call it consistently. Nobody, none of these referees know the rules. And I, I don't know if I can blame them just because the fucking rules change. Well, they had the whole, uh, the replacement refs. Yeah. And everyone was talking about how terrible they were. And then the real refs came back. And I thought, I'm like, for all we know, these are still the replacement refs. We just feel better because we're told they're the full-time refs. But I was watching them. There was just as many bad calls. The only thing is the replacement refs just looked like they didn't know how to get together. Yeah. Where the the full-time refs, the union refs, when they would get together, they made a strict firm. You know, it's like that old man in a bar who's saying this horrible political ideology. He's just – he's so, like – confident in his convictions, you're just like, all right, fine, I'm going to stop arguing with you. Even though I think you're wrong, I'm just going to walk away. Where these replacement routes just look like, we, 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 this is what happened, maybe? We're not sure? And then it's like, no, fuck you, we're going to argue with you even more. That yeah. type of thing. I mean, also, I, I don't know how the fuck you can act like any of these guys are actually able to referee that game. It's a very fast These, do, game. these dudes are keeping up. And they're, they're huge. Yeah. It, it, it's 
so many moving parts at a speed that's not normal in nature. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, so football, I, I agree with you, though. Do you think that's the then, hardest game to ref? Uh, I think so. I don't know, man. Just because I think basketball, because the court's 94 feet. It's oh, no, basketball. Wide. Basketball, to me, is very easy. Basketball's very easy. Hockey's very tough because they're going freakishly fast, too. Yeah, and the puck is not always doing what you would think is physical. Physically, like lo- the logic of what the puck does. There's bouncing, there. there's yeah. you know, redirects, all that kind of and thing. And what if you got shit ice? Yeah. yeah that's another issue. You they talked about, about uh, Tampa having real shit ice. Well, when the season goes deep, the year the Hawks uh, played the Bruins, that was a lockout year in 2013. And uh, so they went even deeper into June, mm-hmm. and the, there was constant complaint about how their ice just was choppy. It was brutal. Um, but I think I don't know, man. It's baseball's tough too, and it's made a little bit easier. Well, it's been made easier, but also way more difficult with replay. Because have you noticed how people are sliding now? How they've everyone is now sliding in a way that ensures that the literal tag. I mean, it used to just be. Put the glove neighborhood, in the yeah. yeah, and now because of replay, you have to. You have Anthony to. Anthony Rizzo had one of the greatest te- uh, slides I've ever seen. A couple that of Rizzo weeks ago. highlight from earlier this year, and also the Trout highlight from earlier this year. Oh yeah, that one's crazy too, and, and it's immediate. You know, it's a year after, a year and a half after replay was really introduced in baseball, and they've already adjusted how they attack the game. It <sighs> see where football is constantly changing its rules. Baseball within the last few years has really been changing its attack. Yeah. And you think of defensive alignments. I was trying to talk about this with my dad because my dad's very old school with his baseball thought. And uh, he's just talking, oh, there's no good hitters anymore. Offenses are down. Why can't these guys hit? Look, last year had the lowest run per game since 1981, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just kind of brought up, I'm like, well, have you seen the defensive shifts? There's, it's constantly, I'll see a guy where I'm like, oh, that's a single up the middle. No, the second baseman was perfectly right there. Yeah. And it makes sense. And I remember him just like, oh, they should play everyone straight away. And I go, well, no, they really shouldn't because they use statistical data on someone where it's like this guy only has a 14% chance of hitting the ball to right to the right side of the infield. Why have someone there? Why, you know, it's, it's such a small chance. Why not stack the left side and take that away? Yeah. And so I, that's where baseball is getting smarter. But they're not doing – they're not really changing – although recently they're talking about changing some rules. Yeah, but it's it's minutia and it's around the game. Like it's it's how how the game is presented more than – the, the only big rule change is that you can review a play. You can review a call, which I'm fine with. Yeah. Because people fuck up. But they're implementing some stuff at the minor league levels. And we're going to talk about that at the end because we want to make some predictions. At the end of each uh, Comedians Talking Sports podcast, I'll have the guest. We'll talk about like some future predictions of stuff. Okay. I've yeah. done this with uh, Megan Gailey, CJ Teldano, Rhea Butcher, and last week's uh, episode, Nate Craig. Cool. So uh, right now, though, I want to ask you a little bit about the history of Brendan McGowan when sure. it comes to sports. What did you play growing up? Uh, baseball and basketball for the most part. Most Mostly basketball because my dad was a big basketball guy. Yeah, can we talk about this? Sure. Tell the story of your dad wanted to sell basketball to, was it Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan. Yeah. All right, let's hear this. My dad, and I think it was his friend, Fat Jack Rusnoff. Uh, That's a name. Buddy of my dad's for a long time. Um, Rusnoff was doing the play-by-play on an intramural basketball game in college because they did play-by-play on the college radio station. What college is this? Marquette. Marquette. Oh, yeah, when my dad had a tip slam on a rebound during the uh, during the game. and like Your dad could dunk? 
he tip slammed a rebound. I mean, he was, okay. you know, yeah, it was more like a, you got, yeah, all right, like a neighborhood play. Sure. Um, so around the rim. Yeah. So my dad read somewhere that Kazakhstan had, you know, untold, like hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars. No, I think it was billions of dollars worth of unrefined crude oil underneath the country, which they couldn't refine until they built a pipeline to somewhere to refine it, which I think they wound up going to the Middle East with that. Um, but he he read about it and he said, "Well, shit, you know what's getting popular in uh, Eastern Europe is basketball. I bet you we could sell these guys a professional basketball league, and then they're all going to be you know oil barons throwing money around like it's fucking nothing. Let's do this." So they had uh, meetings with two guys from a consulate or an embassy. <clears throat> they bought him a steak dinner, gave him the pitch, and then the guys wanted another steak dinner. And during that second steak dinner. These uh, guys from Kazakhstan basically said, well, what you're going to need to do, it, we're, we're going to need to have, because the president or the the head of uh, the government's son was going to be the one in charge of the whole league, apparently. He wanted... Typical. Yeah. Boss's son. Yeah. He wanted uh, motorcycle demonstrations during halftime, because he was the guy, like this per- specific person. motocross type he thing? He was like really into motorcycles, so like those metal... Orbs with a motorcycle inside of it and shit, like trick shows. In oh, the, really? On a basketball court in the middle of a game. Uh, and they also wanted free Harley Davidsons for him. And both of the guys that were brokering this thing, the two dudes they were having dinner with, were like, we also would like uh, each, we'll need a Harley Davidson to keep this moving forward. My dad was like, you got two stakes. Fuck you. <laughs> He's like left. Uh, so that was the end of his attempt to start a professional basketball league. Still, in I like the outside the box thinking though. Yeah. He's always didn't have basketball yet. I don't, I have not looked into it. Um, but uh, you and I could give it another try. Hey, maybe we both have a lot of free time out here. In sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but my dad, my dad worked for, uh, the Marquette basketball program for a while. Um, <clears throat> in the sixties and seventies. And then, uh, there's a, uh, he was good friends with this guy, Pete Axdown, wrote a book called The City Game about basketball. And uh, he was uh, – the book features Al McGuire, who was the head coach of Marquette. My oh, yeah. dad was, like, the person who was the gopher for both of them. Um, Al McGuire, is he from Chicago? Did he play – He played – he's from New York. New York. He's from New York. Okay. He played for the Knicks. And then uh, – I, I knew he was a big NBA guy. I yeah. know the name. I just didn't know where he grew up playing ball. Yeah, yeah. He uh, He's from New York, played for the Knicks, and then uh, coached Marquette. What and decade was he at Marquette? He was there in the 60s and 70s, and he won – Okay, so he was after George Mike and was at DePaul. Yeah, he, right, won, he was like – he was going up against – I think Ray Meyer was his uh, head-to-head in, uh, at DePaul. Sure. Um, and then the, he won the – his last year at Marquette, they won the national title in oh, okay. uh, 77. Yeah, Marquette's always had a very good basketball program. Yeah. Um, Jesuit schools in general do because it's the least expensive sport to be good at. Yeah. All you need is a gym. They build a school on top of a hill People and they start shoes. a fucking basketball team. Yeah, it's amazing how expensive all the other sports are. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I love hockey, but and my dad played hockey in college. And people always ask, why didn't you grow up playing hockey? I'm like, it's too expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, my parents were divorced. And so at the time in which you and think about this, into that is now you got to insure, insure all the teams and all the kids now because of times a bitch and all that stuff. It's a very and also, expensive sport. In 30 years, they might sue sales. you for concussions and shit. So you got to insure it now and, and liability waivers and all of that. I mean, it's a whole fucking thing. Yeah. That's, um, that's another thing I want to say for the end, where we yeah. think the future of contact sports is going to go. Oh. So, all right, you grew up playing basketball. I take it by the looks of you, Brendan. Yeah. Don't want to judge a man by his size. Yeah. I'm guessing power forward. 
maybe yeah. center. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, like me, I feel like you were tall right away, and then everyone caught up to you. Well, and also... Was that the deal? Were you one of the tall kids? I was... I was uh, shoot up later Just broad-shouldered. I wasn't always taller than everyone else, okay. but I had, like, a large uh, frame... Because I have that Irish all torso, very short legs. Thing. I have very short legs. Yeah, my wife is five foot six. I'm six one. My legs are one inch longer than hers. Jesus, I know. That's a that? thing. Yeah. Um, but I uh, it also like when I was an infant and I started crawling, only half of my body was I was dragging one half of my body. So my what parents. You, what did they call you in the hospital? Uh, oh, they called. I was eleven and a half pounds when <laughs> I was born. Your and, poor mother. Yeah, no. Uh, they called me Boom Boom Mancini, and that is a boxer who killed a man in the ring. Yeah. And they also called me uh, the Fridge after. Yeah, because the you're infamous Chicago in Bear. I was born so, in '84. Didn't. Didn't they bring in other doctors to get a look at oh, you? Oh, yeah, no. They like. I remember your sister telling this hilarious story when we roasted you for your birthday. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, the whole hospital was on notice, pretty much. Like, all of Northwestern Hospital was uh, was fascinated with the size <laughs> of mainly my head. I did, I did, see, I did see one baby picture of you. Yeah. It's, you had a big Irish potato. Man, head. my melon in baby photos is. One of those a heads nightmare. you want to take a bite out of. Right. My little brother, Sean, was like that. He, he was. Um, I think he was about 10 pounds. My sister was almost 10 pounds. I was eight. And my youngest sister was seven. But, yeah, he, Sean had this, just, it, was, it was all head. 11 and a half, dude. And I remember just one time watching him when he was like six months, and he banged his head off something really hard. And I was like, oh, my God, are you okay? And he's just looking at me like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And I'm like, yeah, of course you're fine. You're wearing a helmet. Yeah, it's like, anyhow. Um, and then you played baseball. What position were you there? Oh, first base. Uh, the first time I ever played catch with my you're dad. You're a lefty, that's right. I'm right? a lefty. My mom freak told my dad uh that he like my dad got home from a shit day at work on like a wednesday in the middle of the summer and i think i was four i was four or five and uh my mom said i've been telling you for a month that you've got to go play catch with him you're gonna go do it right now and handed him a hard ball he's like no we need to do a tennis ball she says you're gonna do this fucking today and like they were getting in a real fight about it yeah so we ended up playing catch with a hard ball and the first time i had a ball thrown to me while wearing a glove i was hit in the face and i broke my nose uh, so, so the sand lot. Yeah, man. So like I, I would just f- like freeze if uh, if a line shot was coming at me. So it was weird that I was put at first base, but I was because that's the position where you are thrown a ball every play. The set, much, like yeah. other than catcher, you know. Um, yeah, you got know how to catch. <laughs> yeah. So uh, weird choice, but I played first, which uh, was fun. I was always better at football um, as a kid. Than than baseball, but I played like flag football, not uh, pads and stuff. Yeah, on the last podcast, I talked about how I. Um, I'll just recap real quickly for you because you probably had a similar thing. I wasn't allowed to play. Always asked because I always played tackle with my friends at the park. Yeah, and I always dominated. And I'm not being cocky. I did. I was really good. And then I finally, you know, got to play. Was named a starter. And then six days before our first game against Lane Tech, which is a big Catholic publicly rivalry, I broke my leg. Yeah. So I finally got left to play, and then I broke my leg. So you probably, I'm sure your parents were like, we don't want you playing. It's too dangerous and all that stuff, right? Well, my mom was was uh, very against it until I was in eighth grade. Um, I think my dad finally was like, he's got to play some goddamn football. Sure. Um, so I played in eighth grade. Uh, and I went my grade school, my middle school, I should say the graduating class of my middle school had 15 boys in the entire class. Wow. So we, I went to a school in Rogers park, but we got bussed for football to a school in Evanston, 
uh, another Catholic school, Pope John, who um, had a football team, and they were like, yeah, if you want to send some kids up here, we'll let them play. So it was like uh, four of us that would that were on the football team. I played center, um, and that's it because they had some pretty good players. First baseman, center, you're always touching the ball, man. Yeah. No, I always part of the play. You got to have a brain to play center. That's all I know. Um, but yeah, I played one season of football and it went well. I was, uh, I was named like, uh, offensive line MVP for the, for the team for the year. Um, and then the next year I went to a high school that did not have a football program, uh, because St. Ignatius got rid of their football one of team. Smart schools you went to. <laughs> well, they didn't have a, well, they didn't have a field on site. So yeah, the team used to like school, not a lot of open space. Yeah. They, they used to take a, a bus and I, I was always unclear if it was a city bus or what, because the only person who would talk about the team was the, the math teacher who was on the team when it was discontinued in the sixties, uh, which, yeah, that's when they got rid of their football team in the 60s. So um, I guess they have one now. And then you went to Marquette that didn't have a football team either, right? Right. Um, but why do you hate football so much, Brendan? You just don't want to be around it? I just don't. Why do you hate America? I What's don't hate America. It? I know you don't. You're actually one of the most American people. When I, the, the number of pictures of you that could easily have an American flag waving in the background and you just screaming, freedom, liberty, <laughs> all that kind of shit. You are a guy that, um, and I want everyone, after you're listening to this podcast, YouTube, Brendan McGowan, there's stand-up videos of you, I'm oh, sure. Oh, sure, yeah, sure There's yeah. dozens. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the best storytellers I've ever heard. And, uh, yeah, you always have these great fucking, like, American stories. You have a ton of good nicknames. Uh, well, we call you just B McGee, which is real standard for someone with your name. Yeah. Um, but then we called you the Northside Timberwolf. Yeah. Which who came up with that? Was that Dean Carlson? That, that was me, that? dude. You, <laughs> I came up with that nickname because I wrote. I I used to um, host <laughs> Northside Timberwolf. Host the mic at uh, Sheffield's. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that's right. And I uh, I would give Tony Blanco, who's handling the ones and twos these absurd intros for me. Uh, I think one of them was his name is all over the city, like Richard J. Daly and Vienna Vienna beef. Beef. I remember you gave me that once at a place. Yeah. Um, so they would be like minutes long and he'd be like, this is fucking, no one's going to sit through this whole thing. I was like, we're just going to separate the wheat from the chaff because this is a surprise comedy show. There you go. So I want the intro to be unbearable for someone who would probably talk through a comedy show. Oh, that's smart. Um, so, yeah, the Northside Timberwolf was one of the many self-applied... I remember that one sticking. Absurd nicknames. Yeah, you you are the one who will not I let that die. I don't want to let it die. I think it's the, one of the greatest <laughs> you, nicknames I've ever heard in my life. You are all over that one. <laughs> well, I just like anything that affiliates to a side of a city. Yeah. So, you know, like, you could, oh, the South Side this or the West Side that guy. Or I kind of like those to, for a start. And then a Timberwolf... Is, yeah, there's the Minnesota Timberwolves basketball team, but how often do you hear a Timberwolf? Not often. You don't hear it often. And then at the, and you always you had really big sideburns at the time. Yeah. So in my head, I'm like, I could see that. That's a really cool, the north side Timberwolf. Yeah, I like that. You're kind of like. It was fun. Um, just smoking a cigarette, wearing a blazer, like yeah. with a winter hat on. That was your look for a while. It really was. I love that look. You, you're, you're underrated in your fashion sense. I, I hope Brandy, your girlfriend, appreciates that you have a good fashion sense. She, she does. Uh, when I, when I actually, you know, get dressed up, uh, yeah, I remember you'd always wear like some sort of weird, not weird, but like you'd, you'd have a good sweater sometimes, or you'd have these, I remember you had one jacket that was tannish and had uh, elbow pads. Mm-hmm. It's like sewn in elbow pads. It was almost like a old school professor type yeah, look. The corduroy jacket. And then you'd have yeah. your bears hat, like mm-hmm. the bears winter hat. Yeah. And I was like, that just looks cool. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, people think I was copying if I did that. I almost wanted to do that. Well, thanks, man. Well, I remember one time, my last winter in Chicago, 
I was wearing a suit and had a, a winter hat on. I thought, like, oh, this looks kind of cool. And then immediately everyone's like, you look like a fucking college basketball player getting off the bus. And then I'm like, all right, well, I'm ditching this look. You got to you gotta own it. You got to own it. I, um, I probably looked a little uncomfortable. Well, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's an odd look. But and, um, I... Uh, so basketball, football, basketball, football, and, and baseball. Then, those were your three. I'm and sorry, then, you keep going. With oh that. yeah, it's fine. Uh, fencing. Actually, that's what I was going to get to because there's two obscure sports you do. Yeah, I mean the the second one's not obscure. It's less so, especially uh, in the Midwest. It's less. It's obscure. not yeah. at all rugby. But yeah. let's talk about fencing first. Sure. I'm mean, again another thing. You had a great bit where you talked about fencing. Yeah. And then the one line I love was like. Yeah, I grew up with money, and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious because every comic, especially in Chicago at that time, and still to this day, would always kind of do the "I'm broke, I live in a garden apartment, yeah, I can't talk to." Like, so it was so cool to see someone who was had a big personality and was like, "Yeah," and I'm not going to apologize for this. No, it's great. I, like, if I still was spending money that wasn't mine, like an asshole, then I would have felt yeah, bad that, about different. it. True. But. Also, well, you're talking about your youth. Yeah. I mean, no, no one was saying like, oh, Britain, because you're not a trust fund kid. So it's not like. No. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I just wanted to own my privilege. Like, you can't talk about f- fencing when you were in third grade without at least addressing the fact that you have to be a privileged yeah. fucking dick. Like tennis and golf. You know? To fence in your spare time. That's come on. But um, I went to the lab school, which was that was the. F- I think the second or third. I changed schools a lot. Um, but I went to the lab school, which is in Hyde Park. And it's, it's part of the University of Chicago. And the University of Chicago had like a fencing club or a fencing team that was just uh, like, yeah, if you want to fence, we'll teach these kids how to fence. And uh, when it, when someone comes to you in third grade and says, hey, do you want to have sword fights with your friends? You say yes. Of course. Like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Who amongst us didn't watch Robin Hood? It's weird to me that that sport is le- is as unpopular as it is because it's a fucking sword fight. It's two people having a sword fight. Like I I don't know why Game of Thrones hasn't started a fencing boom just because you think right like the just, way the movie Dodgeball started Dodgeball leagues again. You'd yes. think people would start to want to do sword fighting or fencing or I mean maybe it's because arms are getting cut off and shit and that's probably not yeah but with fencing ideal. it's not I mean no it's, yeah. it's got a tip thing there's a little ball yeah. at the end of it right yeah I don't know all the rules to fencing I feel like that's well, what, what different you, rules you strike you get someone and then that's a point and then you stop and you go back and you take the steps right yeah. yeah. Uh, it you, is a science to it, right? There's a, there's a part of the body you need to hit, and you need to hit it in a specific way. You wear the cup on the outside to make your junk look bigger. That's that's the only reason for that, right? Yeah. Yes. Your cod piece, that's what they call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's a blast. Um, it looks fun. I didn't really pursue it much more after that. But it was it's crazy fun. But, you know, it's not like you can have a pin, pickup fencing match. Yeah. That's the thing about that. Like... And that's the tough part with certain sports in America is that they'll never be popular because, you, again, you can't have pickup. Right. That's what I always thought was hurting. Like Chris Rock talked about baseball's decline. Yeah. And I said, well, a lot of that's just the way neighborhoods have changed. Yeah. And you can't play pickup baseball. It's really hard because it's really hard to get 18 dudes together to walk around in the neighborhoods with bats. Yeah. And uh, when you could just play, you could play a game of 21 of basketball with three people in an alley. Football, you could even do an all-time quarter. You could five people. One guy, all-time quarterback, two-on-two, covering each other, receiving, passing. You're not going to do any handoffs unless you're an asshole. Yeah. Who would do a handoff in a pickup football game? Football is two-on-two. Mostly just sprinting. It really is. It's just a sprint. And even soccer, I see people just make, oh, we'll put two garbage cans together and that. Same with basketball. It's one ball. One ball. Soccer and basketball are, are one ball. That's why it's the most pop, the two it's most what, popular yeah, sports. It's the world's games. But 
you know, even with that, like any sport that isn't something you could do one on one, um, it's just becoming <laughs> a, a ledger of the wealthy. Like, yeah, it, it requires I mean, it requires a, an amount of disposable income, an amount of time that most people time, do not income, have, and then other people who have that time and income. Yeah. That's what you're, you're matching it up with. Yeah. Do you have time to drive me from school when I leave at three to my soccer game an hour away or whatever? It's like, no, I have a fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, we, I have to we, provide food for you. Both of your parents work now because there are no good jobs anymore. So, sorry. Yeah. Hopefully there's a bus. Um, so then let's, let's move on to your college. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, rugby. Uh, no, I did not play that? rugby in college. college. I played rugby now. in high school. Sorry. Um, I played a season of rugby. The team was very good. I was not very good. Um, the team that I played on, uh, you know, it was freshmen through seniors all on one team. It was a club sport. Um, and it the, the league, I think, got started mostly so that the Catholic League schools could have extra football practice. Really, ah, really, because yeah. they're they're only allotted an amount of of practices. Okay, well, let's talk about this then. This is something a lot of people bring up. It's a source of debate: rugby versus football. What's more violent? Explain the differences. Uh, football's more violence, and the difference is you you are because people will say, "Oh, in rugby they don't wear pads." No, they Those don't. Pussies are wearing pads in football. The, the rugby they don't wear pads. They also don't lead with their head. They don't. Uh, and in rugby, all the passes are pitch backwards it's backwards so you see the people coming there's yeah, no blindside hits but well but i mean a, there could be if the guy catches a punt a punt is a live ball whoever catches it catches it uh i mean the kickoff is an offensive move in rugby so that's 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 a whole other thing though and we'll, we'll, i'll talk about that in a moment but football um the speed at which you move and the confidence with which you hit because of the equipment you're willing to do things that you shouldn't be doing even with a helmet on um, you know, people talk about concussions a lot in sports and, and they're worried about concussions, but the real problem is the sub concussive hits something just below a concussion. Um, like junior say from what I understand, never had a concussion in his really? career. Also, they didn't have the protocols that they have now to test. Yeah. That's, like, that's oh, he just got his bell rung. He's, and then he would just go sit down for a little bit and come back in. So that's probably, let me back up. There's no way that's true. I'm sure he had one. If not more. Yeah, he had to have, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's the way it's diagnosed. Right. I mean, it goes, it used to be someone was just shell shock. Now it's called PTSD. Yeah. And, you know, it, you, like you said before, we just always, he's just got his clock rung a little bit. He'll be fine. Sit him out of play and then he'll run back out there. No problem. I mean, the, he's nauseous. Tell him to throw up and then get back out there. The dementia, the, um, what's the name of it? Um, some other head injury thing. Yeah. The, uh, PTI. Oh, is okay. that it? Uh, yeah. We'll pretend it is. Whatever. No, no one that's a show on ESPN. Right anyway. uh, that's part of the interruption. Um, Post-traumatic uh, or PEC or something like that. Well, yeah. But it's it's uh, the acronym for the the thing that most of these football players that are retired are getting. It's more prevalent in offensive and defensive linemen than anyone else because they hit at a at a an amount of force and power that causes a near so concussion almost every too. time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mean, from they're, inches they're away. Up, inches away. Yeah. Um, so football, because of the size of these people, because of the fact that it's 
brief in the idea, this whole mentality. I mean, it's the modern military industrial complex as a sport. You know what I mean? It's just acquire sure. territory and get to Berlin and kill Hitler, which is scoring a touchdown. But um, like, I, I would like that if someone said he he just he just scored, he just killed Hitler. That's a fun next way to time, watch the game. Next time throwing, it's a someone fun the bomb, way to watch you know football. Fifty-seven just, yard pass deep. He just killed Hitler. That's what he did. On that they play. just yeah. I mean, it's. It's yeah. pretty great. Sort of um, beach in Normandy on a good uh, onside kick. But you can't do it because that's not actually a war. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a complex thing. But, but um, the um, football is just the amount of people that have there was that really Australian horrendous. Football player. Was he New Zealand? Do you remember this? A guy who played for the All Blacks. Was it the All Blacks in New Zealand? Was that Aussie rules football? Someone who played rugby at a high level mm. in New Zealand or Australia, I'm forgetting the name, ended up going to become a punter for the Arizona Cardinals, I want to say. Mm. Do you, know, you remember this? I think so. This was maybe a decade or so ago or even longer. Yeah. And all of his, he, he was in some interview where all of his rugby pals were like, oh, you're wearing pads. And the rugby guys were giving him shit, acting like, oh, yeah. well, you're a pussy now because you're playing in a sport where you're, you're protected. You know, yeah. we're, we're just out there. And uh, he said to his buddies, he goes, you have no idea. <laughs> These guys are the size of Mack trucks, and they hit that way. Yeah. If they didn't wear pads, there'd be deaths. Like yeah. You have no idea what you're talking about. Also, wearing the helmet makes it even more dangerous because you don't, you're not protecting your head because you think you're covered. Yeah. I, I used to play tackle football all the time, and there was never, no one was leading with their fucking head. That'd be psychotic. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I remember there being one spaz who would like, just throw his body around, and eventually we stopped calling him because it was like, this kid, he needs Ritalin, first of all, we yeah. all believe. And second of all, it's like we just you can't have someone who's just throwing their body around. I mean, we would get that good like uh, which is, you know, wrestling with a double leg train where you'd get low and just lift the guy's legs up and drive him to his back. That's yeah. just good fun. I mean, you might bruise a rib doing that, but we weren't doing any like just leading with the fucking head when no one's wearing pads and football. That's crazy. I have never yeah, seen a, a serial killer now. I'm positive. I've never seen a rugby tackle that would have made the old ESPN segment jacked up. Do you remember that? I do remember ESPN, that NFL yeah. countdown. Uh -huh. they, like at the end of the day, they would be like, "These are the biggest hits." And then, really you know, stupid graphic, if I remember. Yeah, it was dumb, but it was also like the biggest hits of yeah. the day. No, it was and, fun to watch. Like I, I've never seen a rugby tackle that would even make that segment because football, you're sprinting. Rugby is uh, is like soccer. There's the ball is almost always in play. Yes. There's not as much stopping. There's not stopping. Well, that's why I like about rugby. Rugby yeah. is very fun to watch, and I wish it would get, gain a little more popularity it will. in America. It will after these Summer Olympics, the next Summer Olympics, because that's rugby right. is in the next Summer Olympics, and the U.S. are very good. They are very, very, very good. Right, so cool. people are going to enjoy it a whole lot. I, I think. think. We got a little sneak peek to one of your predictions. Rugby will yeah. gain popularity. Yes. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. this is a question I love it. I, I will ask in every podcast. Your favorite sports moment in your life, whether it be something personal that you did Maybe going to a game, whatever you want. The NBA All-Star Game that was in Cleveland. Uh, I forget what year it was. Um, early in Iverson's career. Um, my dad and I went, and there was a fan day thing. And I went with my dad, and they had a booth where you went in and you put on headsets, and you did the commentary on a famous highlight. Um, so we... Both had headsets on and did commentary of John Paxson's three-pointer to put the Bulls over Phoenix? the Suns. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, and it was one of the coolest things that I've ever done. Do you like, still have that? Uh, do they give you the tape? They stuff? give you the tape. I have no idea where the tape is. Oh, I'm sure my mom has it in a trunk somewhere. But I just remember 
watching it with my dad. And in the video, I'm pushing for Horace Grant getting a lot of credit because he's the one who had the – he kicks it out to Paxson on that three-pointer. Then Phoenix has a chance to come back. Kevin Johnson drives the lane. Horace Grant comes flying in out of nowhere and blocks the shot and I ensures the, the victory. Block. He had the assist on the three-pointer and the block to seal the game. And no one wants to talk about it. Horace Grant was the second best player in that series next to Jordan. I remember Pippen kind of having a little bit of a bad series against Phoenix. Yeah. Do you remember how Pippen kind of had some bad finals now that I recall? Do you remember how they burned Horace Grant when he left town, too? Yeah, I do remember that. That was that was real ugly. That was ugly. That was that he left after the 93-94 season. I think he wanted to stay. There was something with money. Oh, there was definitely something with money. It was of course, it's always with money. Well, another team showed up with way more money. Yeah. And, and then um, the Bulls probably But he said, made it seem like he would still give them somewhat of a discount, but their offer was pretty insulting. Yeah. I'm uh, sure he was. was coming off an all-star year. Horace Grant made the all-star team the year after Jordan left in 93-94. That was one of the things, and we both grew up, and here's where I want to talk about our, our Chicago youth. Uh, we both grew up watching the Bulls in the 90s, and we're both diehard Cubs and Bears fans and Blackhawks. Uh, do you remember after the year after Jordan left, and the Bulls had a good season? They won 56 or 57 games. Yeah, they I remember lost that, man. in the second round in seven games to the Knicks. On Hugh Hollins' call. Yeah, it was a bad call there. And, that team uh, wasn't winning a title, by the way. No, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have a mixed. Uh, you can you there's this is one of my problems with sports. People will remember a thing and the emotion that they felt, like the amount of betrayal they felt with Hugh Hollins. They want to make it a bigger deal because of how upset they are about it, and it's a personal thing for them. So they make it. The Bulls didn't get better over time because you're still upset about that thing. Like they yes. They got screwed. They weren't winning that title either. No, they That's, weren't. Those and, are two separate things. And they were a good team. But what people don't realize is that whole NBA, I remember liking the NBA a lot that season. Because uh, so I I'd really just got into the Bulls. I, I don't remember watching the Bulls-Lakers. A little too young. I mean, I remember it being on, but I don't remember being into it. I think it was on TV, but I probably was playing with, you know, X-Men action figures or whatever the hell was, Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And it being on in the background. Uh, you know, a little too young. And then um, I remember watching the Trailblazers series vividly where I first started getting the stats and checking box scores. Yeah. And then the whole 93, 93 when we beat Phoenix, watching that, like, religiously. And I was so depressed when Jordan retired. And then the next year, I did remember, and, and my dad kind of talking about this when he goes, Jordan's effect is it's like psychosomatic in a way where now that he's gone, everyone in the NBA is like, oh, we have a chance to win now. Yeah. So all the teams really played great. And the Bulls themselves played better because because they were out to prove something. And they just played three seasons under the best player of all time. So, of course, but if you took that same group, that same roster of the 93-94 Bulls, and they had never played the previous seasons as champions with Jordan, that team, 45 wins. They yeah. don't win 57. Maybe that, 42. I mean, the league was crazy then, too, because you had six teams that were trying to be the Jordan killers. Yeah. You know, like the Very Knicks physical. were the only ones the Knicks were the only ones that openly admitted it. But that Houston team, are you shitting me with that roster? Of course they're trying to beat Jordan. Like and then when Jordan's gone, it's like, oh, let's get everything we can and make sure yeah. that we win. Because how who knows how long this is actually gonna last. Teams were building rosters that way. Yeah. And there were so many dominant centers, which is really lacking in the NBA today. Well, it, I mean in a sense, the NBA is re so many teams are not asking that of their center because they want their center to do something else, which is go to the three-point line and stretch the defense. Yeah, they want to spread the floor. You know, and that that is also, to talk about current sports real quick, I living in L.A., 
I don't think people realize how big of a mistake it was to not draft Julia Okafor um, at number two because that dude can straight up ball. I I get why they didn't because <clears throat> um, the guy they took the year before, um, whose name I'm forgetting. I can't remember either. Um, I have to. I'm starting to slowly I've get more the, into West Coast yeah. basketball now, because I've been out here for almost a year and a half now. You've been out here for what three years now, two and a half, three years, yeah. Or whatever. So yeah, I'm starting to slowly pick up on LA basketball because you know basketball is the one thing here where I feel like yeah, these these people are diehard fans. Oh yeah, absolutely. Where we know Dodgers, they show up late, leave early, but I there is a section of Dodgers fans that are well hardcore. I think that all like I've met a lot of really hardcore Dodger fans. I also think that people arrive late and leave early purely because of the infrastructure of that stadium being absolute garbage. Yeah. There's one two lane road in and out of that fucking building. It is. So and then weird. there's Resident. no parking buildings. There's no structures. It's just open park. So you could park and then it'll take you another 20 minutes to, to get to, to the, the gate. Stadium. Then from I, the gate to your seats. I went to a Cubs Dodgers game there last year, the one game the Cubs lost, unfortunately, and it took us. We couldn't remember where we parked. Yeah, and I remember going, "No, it was by." Tree. I remember those trees specifically, and then he's like, "There are trees like that everywhere." And I'm yeah, like, son of a bitch. And yeah, it was. It's a very inconvenient. It's a nice enough stadium, though. It's okay. Julius um, Randall is the dude's name. Julius Randall at gotcha. four, okay, who I know the name does now. need a lot of room to work down low. So I get why they didn't take Okafor. Well, the NBA but... is a wing game now, yeah, and man. even point guards. It was for a while. It was point guards. Now they're kind of going, getting off that a little bit. And it's more, you know, big, big wings. Guys, you know, that's why I was really stupid that Cleveland traded Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was a guy that if LeBron just had the patience, I mean, could have turned into a Scottie Pippen type player. I don't know. I don't know. Six, eight, plays great D. Um, I mean, his shooting skills will get better as he gets I, as he moves on. It's they stupid. All yeah, but it's stupid because that dude from Boston broke Kevin Love or separated Kevin Love's shoulder. That's why it's stupid. It's I mean, brilliant yeah, if Kevin Love's there and actually... Yeah, but they were struggling with Kevin Love at times getting together. And yeah, they still I mean, finished with the number two seed. And they, they were probably would have rolled through the playoffs only because I thought Atlanta was overrated most of the year. I really did. I didn't... Because I, to me, when I watched Atlanta, I was like, yeah, Kyle Korver will be able to get free for a game. But he's not getting free for a best of seven series. And he was their best player. LeBron... Oh, and then the New York Police Department broke one of their other best players. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that kind of hurt. LeBron took a bunch of dudes you have never heard of to the fucking finals with Kevin Love there. It's a whole different animal. I'd heard of a lot of those guys. It was because I followed basketball, but okay. So Mozgov was a starter last year. They traded two first round picks for him. I'm not going to, I really can't stand when people go, who the fuck was Mozgov? I go, well, you don't watch basketball. No, no, no. The year I before he played 45 games and he started in every game he played and was a decent player. Della Vadova became a national name. That's true. But was is that because of LeBron? Or yes. Is that because really kicking it to that guy, yeah. Della, yeah. Well, kicking it out to anyone who's open is part of why LeBron's great. It's part yeah, of why yeah. any superstar is great, and that's why in the NBA, if you're a superstar, in order to be considered one of the all-time greats, you have to win a ring. Yeah. Because of you're you're one of five guys. No, you if you you're great, you could really you're you're the X factor. It's the sport. It's the sport where having the best player alive is the most important thing. I mean, look at jo- we just talked about what it did Jordan, to the NBA yeah. when Jordan left. So Steph Curry, though. Uh, in game one of the finals, was great with Curry guarding him. With not Curry, with uh, Kyrie Irving guarding him. Oh, Irving Kyrie Irving also needed a new leg. But Kyrie Irving had a good game in game one. I know. He got hurt at the end. Yeah. He broke his kneecap at the end of overtime. Yeah. And in the next two games, Della Dova guarded Curry and shut him down. 
I agree with you. On offense, LeBron made Deladova kicking out the threes. But Deladova, to me, is a better defensive player than Kyrie Irving, and I think that's very clear. Kyrie Irving's made a glass. We know that about him now. He gets injured sure. every year. He'll miss 25 games next year. We, that's a guarantee. It shouldn't be any surprise. Are you – you're not saying that Delabadova is a better player than Kyrie Irving? Of course not. Okay. Kyrie's I'm saying he's better defensively. <laughs> I got you. Okay. I'm saying he made a better defensive impact in those – if you look at game two and game yeah. three, watch – I'm sure you watched it. He was more impactful. Kyrie Irving did have a big block at the end of game one to send it in overtime. He also was taking defense off, it looked like to me, because of his injuries. Because of the injuries. Because they, right. they didn't know where the points were coming from, if not LeBron. So he had to be able to knock it down when he got the ball in his hands. He hit a good game. So to kill himself, to kill him, like Jordan did this I respect LeBron a lot more after these last finals because he finally said, you know what, I'm going to go down swinging. Where in other finals with Miami, when he had all the weapons, he would disappear when shit got tough. In this series, he didn't disappear. He got tougher. He said, you know what, if I have to shoot every time down, I'm going to do that. And that I respect. Yeah. I respect that. I just there's no NBA player that goes 100 percent of the time both sides of the floor the whole game. Jordan would take it off on the offense. He would just take offensive possessions off every now and again to to keep himself to save energy yeah, for the fourth quarter, which got, is what you have to do. Then. You have to. So so I, hopefully the Browns will figure that out and do that next year. Yeah. Because I thought I'm like, why are you going so hard in the first and second quarter? You know how the NBA works. They're well, going to no, go up. They're going to go down. He's going so hard in the first and second quarter, and then people always bring this up to make it like. LeBron isn't one of the greatest players that ever lived. Oh, he is. He's on, he's on Mount Rushmore. But for sure, people always want to bring this up, his stats in the fourth quarter, in the finals, and in the playoffs. And it's like, well, that's because he's got two and sometimes three people on him in the fourth quarter. That's why he's trying to fill it up in the first and second quarter. He wants to break out to a lead that makes it irrelevant. I could see that, but I watched, that, I watched every minute of that series, except for maybe one game. And uh, there was just a lot of times early in games where it's like I thought he could have paced himself a little bit better. Sure. Because he was just missing open shots toward yeah. the end of the game. And you, when you're the wear and tear on your legs, he was missing free throws. Yeah. He's uh, also just played a shitload of ball, man. Oh, no, he has. He's, He's been in five off. finals in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and plus an Olympics in there. He definitely needs – if I were him, I would, I would take off the month of November. He yeah. gives a shit. It's, when your team is that good – and the playoffs are the way they are. You don't need. You only need to be one of the top four seeds. Yeah. And and he's a superstar, so he'll get calls on the road. So home home court is not what it used to be. No. And I also like. It's not like they're playing WNBA minutes. You know. That's no, yeah, he's playing. He was playing. I think forty seven minutes, forty six, forty seven minutes a game. Oh no, I'm sorry. Overtime. I, I I'm worried to make myself clear. WNBA players play eleven months out of the year because they finish in the WNBA and then they go to Russia and play in the pro league in Russia. Do they really? They make a shitload of money. I did not know that. They play eleven months out of the year. It's insane. Yeah, the WNBA salary is what thirty five thousand dollars. Not a lot of money, man. It's pretty low. Yeah. So, you know, when people talk about wear and tear and someone's played a lot of minutes, I get that those are NBA minutes and that's a whole different animal, but. All right, well, we even talked about the Cubs yet. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. No, we've got, I want to finish. We, we've gone a little long on some other stuff, and a lot of that was me. No worries. Uh, not on you. Uh, our Chicago Cubs. Yes. Looking good right now. Looking good. You and I were on board with Theo Epstein's plan from day one. Uh, I, the day that Theo Epstein was acquired by the Chicago Cubs, which is still, I still can't believe that happened. The, for the Cubs, as a... As an organization at the time to do it, fine. New owner, trying to build a new culture. But the culture around the Cubs for so long makes you feel like it's insane that they brought in the guy who led the Red Sox to breaking their quote-unquote curse, which I don't actually believe in. No, I don't believe in curses either. But there was still a drought. 
Yes. And he got rid of it. Um, it's still twice, two-time World Series winner, and yes. they gave they gave him a ring for this last World Series, the Red Sox, because they that was mostly a team he built. Yeah, uh, it was when they hired Theo. I remember just being so ecstatic because it was like, all right, we finally got a premier guy. And then you know you'd hear older Cubs fans be like, oh, that was Dallas Green before, and Andy McPhail. So we've gotten that before. We'll wait and see. But to me, what I like about Theo, maybe because of it's like I was talking about this with someone recently, someone I know. Really smart guy, um, but he's he has a job where it's like, why are you wasting your brain on that? Because it's mm-hmm. like a love. Theo Epstein has a law degree. Yeah, he has his JD, and he got it in his spare time so he could talk to agents better. This is a guy who went to Yale, yes. majored in economics. Then, while he was working as an assistant with San Diego, uh, I think he got in on entry level, was working in the front office. Decided, I'm going to take night class at San Diego State. And get my JD, but he's never taken a, uh, the bar anywhere, right? Because he has no desire to be a lawyer, right? He just wanted to do that. I mean, he, he's a very, very bright guy, he and he uses be, that for he could be anything, yeah, anything you wanted to be. And from what Should I understand, from what I understand about him, <coughs> that's entirely likely that this there, there's not a whole lot of baseball in his future after this Cubs team wins a World Series. He's going to win the World Series and then become a sender. He wants to go find a problem and fix it. He likes to show up, fix a problem, and leave. I just what I respected the most about this whole resurgence with the Cubs, you know, everyone talks about the Youngtown, how exciting it is right now, um, is that they didn't lie. They came around. I mean, Epstein didn't. No one listened. Might have. No one listened. No. Yeah. Well, Theo said right away. He goes, "Hey, we're, he basically told them we're going to be bad for a few years." He I'm said, "I could out. write your articles for you. Yeah. This is what you're going to say for the next five to seven years, because it's the same thing that happened in Boston." And he told them that what's going to happen. And then the exact article headlines and, and coverage that he said they would write, they wrote because they didn't listen to him. I compare it to, uh, again, we're, we're staying Chicago heavy there, but it's just such a, it's the freshest example. By the way, for, for those listening who aren't uh, as familiar, the Cubs were intentionally bad is really the only way to say it for I w- six, six seasons. Uh, it wasn't that long. Well, because Theo came in, uh, his first season was 2012. They were bad, but then they started being intentionally They were bad. intentionally bad when he took over, but they when were bad for the Theo three seasons up. before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that people don't realize in sports in general. And every city has dealt with the rebuild. Yes. There's a difference between sucking and rebuilding. When Theo Epstein took over, this was legitimately the first actual rebuild the mm-hmm. Cubs have really ever had. Mm-hmm. And I've heard tons of my uncles and people of that gen- those generations say, oh, they've rebuilt it a bunch. No, they've sucked. That's different. When, like, the 06 Cubs, yeah. um, 05, 06, they went out and got they were, the 06 Cubs almost lost 100 games. I think they lost 97 games in, mm-hmm. in 2006. Would you? And some people are like, well, that was a rebuilding year. No, it wasn't a rebuilding year. They just sucked. Because that's not rebuilding when you trade three prospects for Juan Pierre. It's not rebuilding <laughs> oh when you God, give Jock yeah. Jones a three-year deal. It's not rebuilding Milton, when you sign uh, Milton Bradley. Yeah, they later got dude. him. Jeremy Burnett's like those aren't rebuilding signings. Rebuilding is we're going to get rid of all of our old players and purely young players. And if we do sign anybody, it's going to be to a short-term deal hoping to flip them for more prospects, which is what the biggest genius part of that was. We got Jake Arrieta, Pedro Strope, and... Um, Neil Ramirez came over in, I believe... The Garza trade. The Garza trade. Which the Garza trade, again, let's break that one down. Mike Olt, who I don't... might not turn out to anything. He was... He was a, by the way, he, they just threw him in. Yeah, because he was once a highly touted prospect. But, but then he couldn't highest, see. He couldn't yeah. see. Uh, they had... They got... Uh, Neil Ramirez, C.J. Edwards. C.J. Edwards, who is yet to be called up, but I really want to see him. And Justin Grimm. 
Green. All three of those yeah. guys could be a future uh, nasty boys of a bullpen. Yeah, very young. I think. Do they do they want Edwards in the bullpen? I was. They're gonna. They... I think they're gonna bring. They might bring. They're talking about. He's in the bullpen right now. See, I thought they would bring him up for spot starts as the fifth starter. I thought they would too, but not because they think they're going to trade for a fifth starter, which won't that be a fifth sense. starter. It'll be a stud, and uh, they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, because there's a new theory of keeping Theo and a few other guys are thinking with baseball because there's so many injuries to young arms. Yeah. Start him off in the bullpen, keep less innings. Yeah. This is why, like Jeff Jeff Samarja for the White Sox isn't having that great a year really, God. but he's going to get a hell of an offer because he has so little innings under his arm. They traded. He started under a bullpen and all that. They traded a half of a season of that dude. Yeah, think of that. And Jason Hamill. That trade basically half of a season of Jason Hamill, who we got back. And Jeff Samarja netted Billy McKinney, who's a, a top 100 prospect, yes. first rounder. Addison Russell, who's your 21-year-old youngest player in the National League starting at second base, mm-hmm. who's been a little disappointing but so, so young. And you See, know the future's bright. I him. would contend he has not been disappointing. Defensively, he hasn't been because no. he's been a fan- fantastic. And, and offensively, not as much because you got to think about two things. He does not have people on base in front of him as often as other people in that lineup. Sure, he bats after the pitcher. And his, the protection behind him, Fowler's hitting 239, dude. Yeah, and his on base percentage is like 310. That's been, he's been the most disappointing player. Him and Castro to me. And I, I, See, I'm expecting a big half from Fowler. Fowler, Fowler won some games early. He did. When they were still figuring it out. Because he, he had some pop early, which is weird. Remember, he had like, he, I think he still I think they, was like I, nine or 10 home runs. I think which, they told him to lay off <laughs> the pop because he's supposed to be getting on base. He is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he had that. Um, he had a big, he had a home run against Colorado. Yeah, he had, uh, off Latroy Hawkins. Yeah, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, so he won some games him. early, and and I mean, it's not. I, I don't worry about him not playing well. <laughs> Let me say this: this season, if they make the playoffs, great. Um, I'm not as as uh, I'm not going to be upset about anything with the end of this season because I've loved what I've seen so far. And what I've seen is a really fun team. Fun team. They it's, get along. They having play a baseball fucking right. blast, dude. And isn't that all Joe Madden? I think Not it's a, all, lot, Joe a lot Joe Madden. I think a lot of it is Rizzo and Bryant. And Rizzo especially to me, being 20, he's 25, but he leads yeah. that team like a 33-year-old well, he's veteran. A, he's a fucking cancer survivor that just hangs out with kids who are fighting cancer. That's really what he does time. all day. In his spare time, he will like, just go to hospitals From what constantly. I understand, that's the majority of what he does with his spare time. Plays baseball and, and he says what's up to sick kids. He goes to hospitals and hangs out with sick kids. Like, what do you? He's a great what? dude. He's and he, look, if I had I, a daughter, I would set him up. It, it, he does like seem to be fucking hilarious too, because everyone's laughing whenever he's talking. When he's talking, people yeah. are laughing. He's 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 got the and he's. What I like about him is every year, he's fixed whatever weakness he's had. Remember, he couldn't hit lefties at all. Right now, he's the best at hitting lefties. Better than most. He has the highest on base percentage against lefties. In all of baseball. Miguel yeah. Cabrera, who's a triple crown runner, is number two. He um, also – so that was his big thing he fixed last year. Yeah. Last year he was pretty bad with runners in scoring position. This year he's hitting over 300 with runners in scoring position. Yeah. So every year he's found a weakness and improved on it. I don't know what after – I think I, he will win an MVP before he's 30. That's my prediction. I think so too. But I think the main thing about the culture of the team that I've liked <coughs> is who's the, there's one big name free agent. Do you remember growing up, the Cubs that they would put on the field? It yeah. was just free agent, free agent, free agent, free yeah. agent. And rarely a big name, just a lot of scrappy 
people. Big name. Jeff Blauser. We got Jeff Blauser. For a season, kind of season stuff. and a half sometimes. And it's just like, I mean, how long was Fred McGriff on the team? Two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. He was a guy that we traded for, but then it took him 10 days to waive his no trade clause before he finally came over. Remember and then that? it's, and, and yeah, I remember that. But it's also like, they, these guys don't play with each other long enough to, to build any kind of relationship. Well, that's the whole thing with baseball, and we know it's such a crapshoot come playoff time because it's a 162-game regular season. Then it's broken down into a one-game wild card, then a best of five. Then a be- It's not representative of what you just did. Where other sports, 81 games or 82 games, best of sevens throughout the whole thing makes sense. Football's one game, so the playoffs are one game. Yeah, Baseball, it just... And the whole idea, and Theo said, the idea is to go to the playoffs every year for 10 years, mm-hmm. and, try, and then you'll win a World Series somewhere in there. Yeah. Which is what the Red Sox did. The Braves, yeah, people were like, 14 playoffs, but only one World Series. I would fucking take that. Yeah. And what's fun about this team is they're in every game. They're exciting. There's a fun atmosphere there. They're playing the game right. Yeah. And even though there's still some mistakes because they're young, you let that go. It reminds me again of, you know, talking about the rebuilding thing. People see the Blackhawks and go, why can't the Cubs be like the Blackhawks? They're doing exactly that. No one remembers the <laughs> four years they sucked before. Every team that becomes a dynasty sucked for years before. The Bulls dynasty, they were bad for four or five years before. Then they were the best team ever. Yeah. That, that's, the history of every team has had that. Even the Yankees starting in the 90s when they won the World Series in 96. The Yankees from the late 80s, early 90s were dog shit. Yes. They were terrible. Yep. I'll tell you this much. Whenever someone says something like that, that is someone who didn't start watching the Blackhawks until they got great. Or, or just any sport they haven't yeah. watched because that's just how it goes. Um, this Cubs team Which is, fine. is like the Blackhawks in 08. Let me also say this. I don't give a shit if you're a bandwagon fan because you're having your fun and your fun will never affect my fun. No, it won't. Unless you're coming over to my table and yelling at me. Yeah. And your if that's part of your fun, then we have a problem. Sure. Keep spending money. And but, it'll help my payroll. <laughs> but if this worrying about who's a fair – like. This need for legitimacy in sports as a fan, none of this is real. <laughs> like, well, and it's even more politics, too, the, unfortunately. Yeah, it's another the, podcast, though. Yeah, these are not your <laughs> accomplishments. So just have fun watching them, whatever that needs to be Enjoy for you. It. I, don't, I, I agree with you 100%. Now, let's end with some future stuff. Oh, sure, sure. From baseball, I want to bring up uh, the baseball rules. Now, they're starting at the minor league level doing yeah. a pitch clock. Does that come to Major League Baseball next year? I don't know about next year, but soon, yeah. And is that a good thing? No. You don't like the pitch clock? I don't like the pitch clock. I don't like something that affects uh, someone at work. Do you know what I mean? Okay. There are guys There are guys that part of their... Thing is, they know when to slow down the game. They know when to speed it up. Yes. Okay. It's That's really important, thing. especially when there's sure. someone on base. It's part of the chess game of baseball. Yeah. All right. So that one, you, you, but you do think it's going to come eventually. I think so. Well, I don't know. It's it, that's hard. I think that the changes that are going to be coming to baseball sooner. What changes do you think? Let's just do it that way. Uh, NLDH is coming, I and it's coming so. soon. Um, Our boy Kyle Schwarber will be perfect for that. Yeah. Or Vogelbach. I think Vogelbach gets traded this year, though. I think so too. Because they can't. But who needs a first real, baseman? Well, they'll they'll try to package him an American League team. Yeah, that's true. For DH stuff, he's a young prospect. They, they still the need the bullpen. It's crazy that they still need bullpen. Yeah, or if they're going to try to get a starter, he could get thrown in. You throw in, you do like a Alcantara, or well, maybe not even him because he's not a tout anymore. But like Elmora and Vogelbach. No, you, you, you no, you don't trade. You don't trade Elmora. You don't think so? No, he's he's gold he can't glove. Hit for shit, though. I don't care. He's gold glove and center. I, I would agree if we had a, if Wrigley Field didn't have the easiest center field to play in all of baseball. Yeah, but half those games are on the road. True, but it's still half of them are at Wrigley. Yeah, <laughs> um, goes either way there. I hope Elmore turns it around. But I think he will. One of these, but we do both know though, one of these prospects is going to be a bust. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. one of them is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking which one, and I'm thinking Elmore. 
Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking it's Baez. Yeah, I guess so. But I still kind of forget because Baez was a Hendry guy. He wasn't one of the Epstein draft picks. Yeah, but it's unfortunate to me that they – I just wish they would trade him. I wish they would trade him before that year started because I, I, I see him as Castro with power. Yeah. And Castro to me is a guy who I, I never liked. When you have a plate approach as bad as his, it's so it's <laughs> so amazing. frustrating. His plate He'll, approach is amazing. There'll be, I, there was one inning early in the year where uh, Rizzo walked, working a count, putting pressure on the pitch. That's what I love about full counts. Rizzo said it best. He goes, it puts stress on the pitcher. I want every one of my at-bats to put stress on the pitcher. I yeah. love that statement. So he draws a walk. Bryant drew a walk. Solar drew a walk. And they all had these great at-bats where they were – Fighting off the tough stuff, laying off the shit, just great at bats, not giving into the pitch at all. Bases loaded. Castro comes up. First pitch, slider, foot outside, tries to pull it, ground ball to the shortstop, inning ending double play. And I was like, you piece of shit. Yeah. If you weren't getting paid what you were and if baseball wasn't a business, you would have gotten cut. You wouldn't have been allowed to take the fucking field yeah. if that was my team. I would love that. I want to see one manager be like, you, what you just did was so bad. <laughs> I want you to turn in your jersey. And I want you to fucking think long and hard about what you've done in your future. But you're clearly off this team. But my advice to you is to think about what you just did. <laughs> Someone, security, like I would love for that. Clean just out your life. DFA'd, DFA'd mid game. Mid game. Yeah. Middle okay. of a fucking inning. That would be great. But all right. So you see, you see the DH coming. Yeah. And you want it. Do you want it? I do. I want it too. Now. I do. I, I mean, the whole mystique, the whole mystique of like double switches and stuff is is over for me. Yeah. I just. They do have to speed up the game. As it's much a, as I still love the game the way it is, it does every keep the other game slower, sport. though. Like, having, having that, or, you know, I'm sorry, it would slow down the game to have the DH because you get more at-bats, because you got a better hitter. But it's there. more offense, though. But it's still a home clear, like, what it all comes down to for me forever Home is runs make dicks erect and chicks wet, you know what I mean? Always was, is, will be advantage for the AL in a yeah. sport that should be fair. Well, that's what either get rid of it in both leagues or have it in both leagues. You get three outs nine times. Yeah, I'm at that point now where I used to be very much like, no, I want the purity of the game because I like the strategy of it, the double switch, the yeah. having you know, because it, it made an NL, it made me respect National League managers so much more. Yeah. Um, so, any other bold predictions for sports in general? Rugby will be very popular. I, I think rugby. That I like that. I think rugby will be. Um, the people are talking about how lacrosse is taking the place of football with high school kids because so many parents are taking their kids out of football. Sure. I think rugby after the Summer Olympics will also become very popular because this Summer Olympics is going to be a condensed version of traditional rugby. Um, because to have a rugby international tournament in the time that the Olympics takes place would kill people. And after the popularity of the U.S. women's soccer, um, yeah. I could just see national sports, you know, more national pride going on. I could see rugby getting popular after that yeah. as well. That makes complete sense to me. Normally, it's 15 on 15 for 60 minutes. This is 7 on 7 for 15 minutes. Oh, and it's shit. just wind sprints and people just flying all over the place. Oh, people are going to love that. I mean, it's arena league football is what it feels like. Oh, it's great. I can see all the Irish pubs being filled up now. Yeah. The, I mean, the best guy on the U.S. team did just sign with the Detroit Lions. But um, hmm. there's always wide receivers that don't get drafted by the NFL that are then available for this sport so. sure yeah we'll train them yeah um, all right well that's great um i'm gonna have to save you this for another podcast oh yeah please I'm, i will definitely have you on again i'm local come uh, on. of course man you're, you're not far at all uh come football season i want to talk bears with you absolutely because you you know you know the bears yeah uh we'll get more into football and of course basketball also this will be a sneak preview for everyone listening next time you're on because i know you got some progressive views and you mentioned the WNBA with them playing in russia we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way to make women's sports popular i mean yeah to 
white boys it's, are going to I mean, that they're out. They're doing a good job of that on their own, but yeah. I but you know what I mean. You know Absolutely. Because I mean? you've know, you got a good business sense, too. Okay. You know? You've got that from your dad. All right. Uh, I figured, well, we're going to hash it out. Sounds good. I had Rhea Butcher on the show, Megan Gailey before that. We kind of mentioned some stuff where it's like, what can we do with it? Um, and Because uh, it's one of those things where... My little sister plays college volleyball, and I think it's very exciting. And I'm always like, I wish more people appreciated this. Yeah, so many of those sports are fun as fuck live, but they, they really just are. don't translate they to don't television. Translate. It's got to be great on TV. Well, all right, where could, uh, where could everyone find you? What's they can Twitter? find me on Twitter at bmcgcomedy. Nice. Uh, I'm also under that same name on Instagram, uh, where you will find Rod Hockey highlights for a little while and uh, jokes and, and what have you. And shows uh, I'll be posting about as they come. Beautiful. All right, yeah. Brennan, thank you very much for uh, being on the podcast. Look at that. I'm getting a low battery alert. Oh, man. Timed out perfectly. Great Thanks. talking to you as always. Thanks for your time, man. And it was we'll keep, great. Uh, we'll keep talking Chicago sports and all Sounds that good, good. stuff. Hope everyone enjoyed uh, Comedians Talking Sports. Thank you.